ready. So, as you know, I have a few loves in my life. God and Jesus Christ, in case you didn't know that by my last podcast and video. Then there's Raiders football. Then there's the United States of America. And then there's professional wrestling. And since I was a kid, the flagship of wrestling was always the World Wrestling Federation or as latter it became known, World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, And in the last year or two, the World Wrestling Federation's product has gotten pretty bad. Now, they have a lot of good wrestlers. Frankly, all the best wrestlers in the world as a collective are in the WWE right now, World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, before we get into all of that, I want to say, you know, this is Americana, the American way. Find me on Parlor at the Real Big John. It's all one word. John is spelled with an H at the Real Big John. Um, this is known in podcast and video land as Americana, the American way on Rumble, YouTube, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and whatever other podcast platforms you're listening on. Now, why is the WWE in such a decline? They just signed major television network deals with Fox and the USA Network. They had their own web platform the WWE Network which they just sold to NBC uh, aka Peacock for um, it's a multi-year deal and it's worth a billion dollars so in a few months hopefully all the content that was on the WWE Network will be on Peacock Um, and WWE had everything there. It, I mean, it was like the best wrestling encyclopedia this side of Jim Cornette. But why are the viewer? Why are the ratings, the viewership, so bad right now? Even before this pandemic and all this, uh, house house show numbers, like the number of people attending. The shows that you don't see on television were dropping. The people there were less people showing up for the televised programs. Uh, for the first time in their company's history, they were having to block off big sections of arenas and move people to one side of the arena to make it look fuller. And I can remember being at the, oh, it was called the Gund Arena at the time, the arena that the Cleveland Cavaliers play in, whatever it's called now. And it was filled, every seat, this was around 2000, the year 2000, and every seat from the first row to the top of the arena was filled. Uh, same thing in Columbus, Ohio. And then lately, they you know they have the entrance ramp and stage that takes up almost a quarter of the building, and they're still having to block off big chunks of arenas with uh, tarp so that people have to sit uh, closer to where the cameras can see them. So that it, on when you're watching on TV, the 
500,000 of us that still do, it looks like you're in a nice full arena. The thing is, around 2000 from, I'd say, 96 to 2002, 5, there were like 10 million people on Monday nights watching World Wrestling Federation and World Championship Wrestling. Uh, they even topped Monday Night Football at times in the ratings. Um, and there were, the NFL got blamed for the, drop in their ratings because there were some pretty crappy football games on Monday nights for some reason. It's just how the scheduling worked out, but it was it's strange that in 20 years wrestling went from you know having 18,000 people at a non-televised show. In fact, I was at the same arena in Cleveland for a, a show that wasn't on TV, called a, it's called a house show or a spot show. And it was still packed from the first row to the top of the arena. And now, 20 years later-ish, 15, 20 years later, it, the, they're, they're having a hard time selling out 3,000 seat smaller arenas. For these house shows. Now of course in 2020. Everything was obliterated. Because of the pandemic. And it's still hard. For them to get a lot of people. In buildings. Because uh, the pandemic is still going on. But. Why aren't people watching on TV? You're, you're, you've been stuck in your house for a year. With nothing to do. But watch TV. And it just seems like there's a lot of chaos in the WWF or WWE. Uh, there's all elite wrestling, which is selling a lot of pay-per-views. It's on the Turner Network Television TNT on Wednesday nights. And it's, it's getting close to a million viewers. Which for a company that came from out of nowhere with a bunch of wrestlers most people haven't heard of unless you're me and you're really into wrestling. Why are people watching it? Why aren't people watching WWE? I mean for Monday Night Raw to have a half a million viewers is like pathetic. That show has never had less than a million viewers since it started in like 1993. So, what direction is wrestling headed in right now is my question. What is going on? Uh, you know, people aren't into gimmicks and characters anymore. Uh, and it seems like some people in WWE still want to go that route. I'll save that till the end. Uh, you know, they want to... You can't just be so-and-so the really good wrestler. And that's what fans seem to like. Okay? They have... They had a guy named CM Punk who is the biggest draw in wrestling. And he had no gimmick other than he basically hated the McMahons in real life and he brought he put that out there on television but to this day fans at the arenas will chant his name and he was a great athlete great ring psychology great microphone skills and there was also there is a guy named Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson whatever you want to call him and he was just over like crazy. And because he wasn't a big beefy steroid addict, 
because he wasn't almost seven feet tall, Vince McMahon just thought, oh, he can't be world champion. You know, one of the guys when I was little and just got into wrestling was Bob Backlund. And Bob Backlund was a freak. He was an actual amateur wrestler. But he had, like, strength where I saw him pick Hulk Hogan up when Hulk Hogan was a bad guy and curl Hulk Hogan with one arm. So, you know, big things can come in small packages. And Bob Backlund drew. He wasn't Bruno San Martino uh, or some of the other big draws that came before him, or Pedro Morales or Larry Zbysko. But he still drew a lot of money. And he wasn't a giant steroid guy. But Vince McMahon's father knew how to book wrestling. And so does Vince McMahon. But now in 2019 to 2021, the ratings have been on a steady decline. Wrestlers who were over with the fans, over means popular, are, are dropped. There was a guy named Aleister Black who had a great ring entrance, was being pushed by the booker or the guy who makes the matches and angles and so on, Paul Heyman. And Aleister would come up, they would lay, he would lay down flat and then rise up out of what looked like a coffin or a grave on hydraulics and he would walk to the ring, jump up on the ring apron, do a front somersault over the top rope and land sitting with his legs crossed. And you know, he would do that in his matches. He was big, strong, fast, had great wrestling psychology. He looked like he would just kill you in a real fight. Uh, covered in tattoos, but Vince didn't get it. Vince didn't understand him. Now, this is at a time when your Undertaker, who had a 30-year run on top of the company, people uh, up until even his last matches that were not very good because his body was failing, he was older, he wasn't in great shape because he was only wrestling once or twice a year. But people still paid to see The Undertaker. And Aleister Black had that mystique to him, that mysteriousness that The Undertaker had. And Vince McMahon just took the book away from Paul Heyman, took Aleister Black off TV, and... Aleister Black was popular with the fans. I said gimmicks aren't that good anymore, but they have The Fiend, who's a, a character that comes out in a mask. Uh, when he turns on his evil fiend persona, he's practically invincible to pain. And the fans dug him. And they... The WWE, instead of sending him through like a year-long terror or tear through everybody in the company, they hurried up and put the belt on him to strike while the iron was hot. Okay. Then they have him lose to Bill Goldberg, who wrestles once in 20 years. <laughs> and... The guy behind The Fiend is known as Bray Wyatt, a guy who's pretty big size, good size, athletic, great microphone skills, and one of the most creative minds in wrestling, and they have his opponents set him on fire, and they take him off TV. Why? When you have somebody that's popular with fans, 
and Bray Wyatt was popular with us as Bray Wyatt, the crazy Cajun swamp wizard. And then he was popular again being Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers on crack, and then turning into this evil fiend character. And they just scrapped it. You have a young a Japanese wrestler. Well, she's not that young, but a Japanese wrestler named Asuka who can put on a great match. The fans love her. She's the women's world champion on one of the brands. And we haven't seen her defend the women's world title in I don't know how long. They put her in a tag team. But she's popular with fans. And she can wrestle a great match. You have a guy named Keith Lee who can cut a promo. It sounds like a college professor cutting a promo. But fans like him. He's got the body of Dusty Rhodes. But he moves around the ring and flies like Rey Mysterio. And they bring him up to Raw and SmackDown. And Vince McMahon doesn't get him. So they just put him on a shelf. And he's not on TV. Because Vince doesn't know why these people are over. He doesn't get their characters. You have Apollo Crews who's muscular. Has strength and agility. Can do all the high flying moves. And Vince doesn't know what to do with him. So... They finally get him into a spot where he's contending for the Intercontinental Championship and he's popular. And then they give him this gimmick where he finds out he's descendant of African royalty and he starts coming out with like a, a, a shawl or cloth around his neck and two bodyguards dressed in camo. Why wasn't it good enough to be Apollo Crews, the really great wrestler who can talk, who can wrestle, who can fly. It doesn't make sense. Paul Heyman, who's a bona fide wrestling genius, got all those people I just mentioned over with the fans. And he told Vince he had a six month plan to turn things around and build up new characters new wrestlers and four months into it Vince demotes Paul Heyman and he brought back a guy named Bruce Pritchard Bruce Pritchard was involved in the early 90s through the mid 90s when a lot of stuff in WWE WWF at the time was gimmicky cartoon characters and it was a period of very low ratings for excuse me for WWF why would Vince bring him back and put him in charge because he goes along with what Vince says for one thing. For another thing, he knows how to talk to Vince. And Vince will talk you into agreeing with him at times. But why would Vince bring somebody back in and for how long? And how much worse will the ratings get with Bruce Pritchard doing the booking? And we see people build up, build up, build up, and then... They just go away. You know? Uh, he Vince recently brought back a guy called Johnny Ace. John Laurinaitis. He was the head of talent relations uh, years ago. Right after the Attitude Era ended. And I'll get to what the Attitude Era was in wrestling. Or you can Google it. If you don't know what that meant. But when he was 
in charge of talent relations the first time. He signed no major male talent. He brought in and hired female wrestlers or female talent that he saw in lingerie and bikini magazines and tried to get them to learn how to wrestle. And it was basically pillow fights, mud wrestling, you know, stupid gimmicky matches for the women. Right now, the women who are wrestling came up through the independent wrestling promotions and learned how to wrestle and knew how to wrestle. And they're some of the best matches on wrestling right now. So will Johnny Ace be allowed to set the women's division back to what it used to be where he was signing women that he thought were pretty and putting them out there just to be eye candy which would be a total insult to all the women wrestlers that are putting their bodies and lives on the line I mean the girl Paige who is one of the best wrestlers period damn near got killed could have been paralyzed at the very least and is luckily lucky not to be with neck injuries from wrestling and this is what the women are doing they're doing the same matches the same moves sometimes even better than the men so who why what when who's going to turn the WWE around what place will Shane McMahon play in the company he returned to wrestling a few years ago when the ratings first started this steep nosedive trying to find where to put my pot bottle where it's not in my light but he returned to run the company's second show called Smackdown and he brought in a lot of new energy brought in new ideas uh, and storylines to WWE Smackdown then he started getting into the ring too much and started wrestling too much and it was like dude stick to helping get wrestlers over and then you know Smackdown started to fizzle out they put Paul or they brought in Eric Bischoff to run it but that what he wasn't really running it other people were running it and one of the problems with the WWE is they have a lot of story writers and not very many wrestling people working behind the scenes and wrestling fans want to see two tough men or tough women settling a score in the ring the person who got that was Triple H, Paul Levesque he was in charge of the WWE's developmental system and he turned it into the best wrestling company in the world he he signed and gave contracts to independent wrestlers that he heard were really good he gave contracts to Japanese wrestlers that were very good like Asuka like Shinsuke Nakamura and he took NXT from being the developmental company NXT right next NXT and turned it into the best brand in wrestling and why is he not promoted to the head storyline guy or the head booker in the company? Uh, you know, NXT, they had clear-cut good guys versus bad guys. Fans love the product. And at times, we fear that our favorite NXT star is going to get promoted, promoted in quotes to SmackDown or Raw and get killed, like happened with Keith Lee, Bray Wyatt, 
and Aleister Black, just to name a few. The, recently, they promoted, in quotes again, Rhea Ripley, and the internet is a, was a buzz. You know, people telling WWE, don't kill Rhea Ripley's character. Don't ruin Rhea Ripley. Mick Foley put it best. Rhea Ripley deserves to go on a, an all-out terror through the women's division, beating everybody. At don't make her a victim of 50-50 booking, which means she, she beats somebody one week, and then the next week they beat her, and I think that's called a feud. What needs to happen with Rhea Ripley is she needs to, she's almost six foot tall if she's not six foot. She's muscular, but still feminine. She's strong. You can be muscular and not be strong, by the way. And she needs to just terrorize the women's division for a year. She can be a heel or a baby face, but put her through everybody. Let her run through everyone and then build her to a climactic fight against Charlotte Flair at next WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38, and put the belt on her. And let her run, let her have another year run of tearing through everybody until you can finally find someone else that can stop her. But that's not what will happen. Um, but back to Triple H, you know, the fans love what he was doing with the developmental wrestlers. And he brought the developmental territory mainstream. First, they had a show on the WWE Network. Now they're on the USA Television Network, and their ratings are almost as good as Raw and SmackDown, the supposedly flagship shows of the WWE. Where does Stephanie McMahon fall into all this? What's going to happen when Vince finally cannot run WWE anymore? He's in his 70s. He's starting to not look and sound very healthy. Although he works out every day and he's bigger and stronger than most guys half his age. But his face and his voice just aren't Vince McMahon anymore. And he looks like a 70-year-old man with a really jacked up body. But what role will Stephanie play in Vince McMahon's future? Or in WWE's future? She's married to one of the smartest minds in wrestling, Paul Levesque, Triple H. Uh, I've heard good things about them as people, although I, for a while, heard Paul Levesque was when in the. I used to hear Paul Levesque, Triple H was a prick, like when fans would stalk the wrestlers at airports and places. He would like walk over the seats in the airports to avoid the fans and things like that, but whatever. Uh, but Stephanie was integral in the women's revolution and getting the women to be allowed to wrestle and stopping the stupid pillow fight, cat fight, uh, pudding, gravy, wrestling matches, crap, and letting them be wrestlers. She announced that they would no longer be called divas. They would be simply referred to as superstars like the men. So will she let that women's division go backwards now that Johnny Ace is, quote, head of talent relations? Uh, now, one thing people say is she's a lot like Vince. And has his, you know, sophomoric sense of humor. You know, Vince likes silly jokes. He used to throw people into his swimming pool in their suits and ties. And that was like your initiation to Vince's house and the writing team back in the day. Um, will she keep making herself the female Mr. McMahon? One of the things that saved the WWE in the late 90s was Mr. McMahon, the evil owner, 
versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, the rebellious employee. Uh, and generally what she does is steals the heat from the wrestlers and then kills off the character by putting herself over them on the microphone. And she is great on the microphone at tearing people down. Uh, when Chris Jericho first came into the company, of course, people remember his first promo with The Rock. The Rock, one of the best microphone guys ever. He and Chris Jericho had a great promo against each other in Jericho's debut on Monday Night Raw. But also, people forget the promos and the feud between Stephanie and Y2J, Chris Jericho. But when Vince finally cannot run the WWE anymore, uh, God forbid it, you know, he die or becomes just disabled and can no longer run that company. And one of the things now is, you know, people say they spend hours and they're up all night, you know, writing, booking, as it's called, the wrestling show. And then Vince McMahon comes in an hour before <clears throat> Raw goes on the air and rewrites everything, changes everything, you know, and, but what happens? Will the company be sold, you know, to who or what? Who will they sell WWE to? Will it be uh, somebody who's into the wrestling business? Will they sell it to Disney Oh, God forbid that. Will they sell it to NBC? And then you'll have what happened in WCW. People that are television uh, executives trying to run a wrestling company. Wrestling is a form of entertainment that is on television, but it's not television. We want to see a sporting event that is... Two people with a feud or a grudge to settle against each other, fighting it out. And ultimately, good has to win over evil in the ring. A perfect example is Ric Flair versus Kevin Von Erich. I just learned about this feud a week ago. They had a match. Ric Flair cheated to win. Well, then they had a no disqualification match or something. And then they had a match where if Rick got himself disqualified on purpose, he would lose the title. And, you know, this the last match they had ended with a double count out, which was stupid. But anyways, that's how it ended. But they had... A year-long feud with, you know, three matches climaxing at uh, the David Von Erich Memorial Show. You can look that up and see for yourself. But who or what would the company be sold to? Will it go right into the hands of Stephanie and Shane like it should? You would assume Vince would leave his baby company to his kids Triple H seems to get what modern wrestling fans want the most and being married to Stephanie if the company is passed down to the next generation Triple H would be in charge of a lot he would probably be the head bookmaker and he would know that we want to see simple storylines athleticism, people that are good on the microphone, not scripted promos written by a television writer, and then the wrestlers trying to memorize it. And we want less sitcom and less dramatic angles. We want to see two strong men or women ending 
their fight in the ring. Now, I talked about the attitude a little bit. But what did the people really like? You had some off-the-wall segments like Mark Henry, literally the world's strongest man, uh, in bed with an elderly woman, <laughs> Mae Young. God rest her soul. She was great. Uh, you had, you know, Mr. McMahon in the hospital uh, and Cactus Jack or Mankind trying to entertain him with a, pup, a sock puppet, which later became the famous Mr. Socko, and Mick Foley got that over. But what the fans really popped for were Stone Cold, The Rock, D-Generation X, because they were themselves, but with the volume turned up to 10. The Rock was a, a great prima donna, with great mic skills. And when they first brought him in as Rocky Maivia, people chanted, Die, Rocky, die. Because he was this good looking young kid. Vince said, Okay, go out there and smile and just be happy, smiley. You know, be the modern day version of your father and grandfather. Uh, his father was Rocky Johnson. His, his grandfather was the high chief Peter Maivia. So they dressed him up like they thought a Hawaiian prince would look and told him to smile. Then he got hurt and he told Vince, you know, I've got a better idea. Why don't I start talking about myself in the third person and insulting the fans? And the fans ate it up. You know, Steve Austin came in as stunning Steve Austin then he was the million-dollar champion, Steve Austin. And he was a great wrestler, but he was missing something. Then he got hurt. This always had somehow works after people have been hurt and off television. He came back and said, let me be myself turned up to 10 or 11. And so... He comes out as stone cold, shaves his head, grows a goatee, starts giving Vince McMahon the middle finger, giving the fans the middle finger, and the fans loved it. And he ended up trading places with Bret Hart, who was the biggest baby face in the company. And him in one match, him and Bret Hart switched places. And there's this classic image of Steve Austin in Bret Hart's finishing move, the sharpshooter, blood dripping from his head, and he won't give up, and he passes out from the pain. And then Bret kicks him while he's down. And it's like the fans just loved it. They love Stone Cold. They loved his rebellious anti-hero gimmick. But that was Steve Austin turned up to 10. You know, or Steve Williams, the guy, turned up to 10. Same thing with D-Generation X. You know, the stuff they were doing in the ring with the jokes and the aggravating the authority figures were the stuff that they were doing backstage. You know, the pranks they were pulling backstage, getting on Vince McMahon's nerves, snubbing the authority, running the company without being actually in charge. But, hey, we're the top guys in your company and you won't have a company without us. They just brought that out to the ring and started putting it out there in front of the audience. Shawn Michaels is the one that exposed Vince McMahon as the owner of the company in an in-ring promo and the fans loved it because it was real it was something real you know it was like it was jerry springer ish but vince could tone it down just enough that it wasn't jerry springer so before that you had the rock and wrestling era fans like me were kids we bought hulk hogan was this larger than life superhero come to life uh, you know, wrestling fans went from 
you know, reality wrestling where it was two tough brawlers, strong men like Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, Sergeant Slaughter, guys that if you saw them in a bar, you wouldn't mess with them. Then it became cartoonish. And you, everyone had an angle and a gimmick. Uh, you know, those of us that grew up with it lost interest in the cartoonishness of wrestling. Then, in World Championship Wrestling, Eric Bischoff and Larry Zbyszko said, let's make things look real. We're going to bring in Scott Hall, who was Razor Ramon in WWE, and they were going to have him walk down the, the ramp, the aisleway, from the dressing room to the ring. And Zabisco said, no, no, no. Have him come out to the ring through the audience. So you're watching a wrestling match, and all of a sudden, here comes this fan walking down to the ring. And then he gets into the ring. And you're like, what in the... Oh, my God, that's Razor Ramon. Why is he in WCW? And he comes out and he says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And you, you didn't know. But it went from cartoons. You know, I used to say, when I was growing up in wrestling, there always had to be a cowboy character, an army soldier, and a Native American those were like the three laws of wrestling. And that lasted all the way up to the mid-90s. And then Scott Hall coming out through the audience in WCW changed that. And they went back to real. Whoa, is this real? Is this not? What's going on here? And then what brought fans like myself back. Well, I never stopped being a wrestling fan. But friends of mine were like, oh, yeah, I watched Hulk Hogan growing up. And then I got sick of it. And then somebody told me Hulk Hogan's a bad guy now. Whoa, wait a minute. So, and they turned their TV back on to see Hulk Hogan as a bad guy. And talking about what well, this goes on behind the scenes. And I'm sick of it. I made wrestling companies millions of dollars. And uh, now I'm taking over the wrestling business. And you had the attitude and the extreme era. An era that was geared toward 18 to 34-year-old males and females. And, of course, you know, in wrestling, you always had, you know, hot, buff guys that women liked. <laughs> but now they were more, like, attainable to women. It wasn't just a guy's sport. And it wasn't a kid's uh, cartoon on steroids. It was something that men and women from 18 to 34 really could get behind and get into. And that that was what wrestling was geared towards. Now, a lot of it was geared towards kids because somebody has to buy the toys and the dolls and the action figures. So what is the future of wrestling? In the early 2000s and for about a good 10 or 15 year run, this company called Ring of Honor was like the big thing in wrestling. And they were like an internet company. They did a lot through their website, built storylines and angles through their website. And then once a month they would run a show. And maybe it was only every couple months at first. But they would run a show. You would hear about these great matches. And then you would jump online to buy the DVD. And people would drive hours and thousands of miles to see a Ring of Honor show. I went to one in Dayton, Ohio. And I drove five hours. But there were people that drove from Boston to see a Ring of Honor show. We used to have little contests while we were standing outside waiting to get in to see who drove the furthest. And 
It was great. We were like a little cult or club that followed Ring of Honor up and down the East Coast. And they were mostly, um, they started out of Philadelphia when ECW died and a guy named D Gabe Sapolsky was uh, booking Ring of Honor and doing great, great booking. And the wrestlers were innovative. You had these great 20 and 30 minute matches. And you look, these matches, you know, they had four corners matches, you know, four competitors, three competitors flying around the ring. And we're just doing innovative stuff, Fly, high flying moves that you hadn't seen, great mat wrestling in between the high flying moves. You had guys that were just flat out mat wrestlers. And you had some guys that were, you know, high flyers like AJ Styles and Paul London. And they had like the best indie wrestlers from all over the world. And then, of course, you have, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which thrives on reality and athleticism. They have a two-night uh, event, Wrestle Kingdom, which is raved about by fans all over the world. Uh, you know, and it, it's like WrestleMania, but it's two nights long. And they're all about reality, two tough people with a long storyline buildup fighting each other and finally they settle it in the ring at one final blow-off match so yes there's room for storylines and wrestling but in the end people want to see a score settled in the ring as the ultimate goal to the storyline so where will the future of wrestling go and how will they bring their ratings and how will they draw the fans back that have been so turned off by what's going on in wrestling right now? Because it feels like Vince is not listening to us as fans. Vince is kind of entertaining Vince and they're throwing things at the wall to see what sticks and what gets over. And really nothing is. Um, and by the way, in researching this, I found out something funny. I'm going to end it with that. Uh, that's the end of my little rant there. A look for my lucky pen that I just dropped. Uh, I found out John Cena. That's his real name, by the way. But his middle name is names are Felix Anthony. John Felix Anthony Cena. Wow, that's just funny to me. Um, and I still don't know how scumbag Corey Graves got hot, rich Carmella to move to Pittsburgh and be with him. But, hey, I don't live far from Pittsburgh, so when he screws it up and she leaves him, maybe I'll have a shot after I lose 100 pounds and win the lottery. Uh, but then again, Carmella is the, guy, the girl that said uh, when she first laid eyes on Big Cass, he was the most gorgeous thing she'd ever seen. So, uh, I don't know what her taste in men is, but wow, Corey Graves left his beautiful wife that put up with his alcoholism and suicidalness and somehow got a great hot woman, rich woman, self-made rich woman, Carmela, to uh, hook up with him and move in with him. Um, and it looks like Carmela's had her breast enhancements enhanced again. So, uh, anyways, just some observations I found when uh, researching. Uh, because it seems like the SmackDown version of 
wrestling has a little more coherency to it. And actually, Bruce Pritchard, who I rag on, basically runs that solely himself, where Vince has a lot more input in his baby Monday Night Raw. And maybe it's time for Vince to turn the reins over to Triple H completely, not bring back people that were involved in the lowest ratings until recently, uh, Johnny Ace and... Bruce Pritchard, but, uh, you know, being a fan of the sport of wrestling, uh, my whole life, and it is the best sports slash entertainment out there, um, I want to see it come back, and I want to see other people able to enjoy it, like I did as a kid and as an adult, and I don't want to lose my wrestling, so... Vince, leave me the WWE in your will, and I will take care of your baby. Here, there, how's that sound? <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to uh, me babble about wrestling for 52 minutes. And uh, God bless y'all. See you the next time on Americana the American Way. Remember to pray for one another. I'll see you the next time.